This is Mindset for Success, a We Global Studios podcast hosted by Dr. Leslie Knudsen. We explore the familiar, but not often talked about, deep-rooted emotional experiences that successful females have when setting up their businesses, and we learn how they overcame them. I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Knudsen. I'm very happy to welcome to today's show, Kate Fletcher. Welcome, Kate, and thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Leslie. Great to be here. Kate is the founder and CEO of Treehouse Partners, a boutique executive search firm. Kate built Treehouse Partners to help clients view their organizations with a new perspective. Because we're not on the ground day to day within your company, we see things differently, putting fresh eyes on the company culture and using that information to recruit candidates who are the strongest fit. Kate, would you share a little bit uh, with our listeners uh, about your entrepreneurial journey, uh, starting with when you were young and started your own dog walking business? <laughs> you knew you were going to be a founder, not if, but when. Yeah, you know, I I think uh, there are certain characteristics that that are inherent and and others that you learn over time. But um, I I have a very large family, so I'm one of nine kids, and and I think if you come from a large family, you kind of have to be entrepreneurial, if for no other reason than survival. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so very early on, I realized that if I if I kind of wanted the things I wanted, or if I wanted to do what I wanted to do. I needed to kind of carve my own path and make my own money and make my own relationships. And so um, very early, actually, I have before even starting dog walking, I, you know, have pictures of myself as a three and four year old, you know, selling my mom's flower clippings at the end of our driveway Mm -hmm. or, you know, any, anything I could, (laughs) could do to, to make a buck or, or um, you know, meet more neighbors was always was always on my mind. So um, really formally started, uh, I think I had my first business card when I was eight or nine years old doing dog walking. And of course, I'm from Minnesota. So snow removal was was very popular. And, and um, you know, as a, as a young kid with lots of energy, you could actually do quite well. So mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's been a lifetime of finding people's pains and and solving them. Tell us a bit about your business Treehouse. Sure, yeah. So um, we're a recruiting firm. We're based here in Southern California, but we work all around the globe. And I mean, we were created because, and, and named Treehouse, because we have kind of a creative way of looking at things. If you can picture being up in a treehouse as a kid, you have the chance to to think more creatively and have a little bit more fun, but you also get a chance to see what's going on in your neighbor's backyards. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and so for us, we think it gives us a perspective on hiring and on talent that is unique um, and allows us to find really, really interesting talent for interesting companies and, and think about things other than just what is on the resume or what is on the job description and, and really more, who are these people and are they going to be a strong match? So 
We do that across a number of business functions, marketing, finance, strategy, things like that. And yeah, it's, it's really great. It's been just over a decade that, uh, that I've been doing it and I, I'm excited to get to work every day. I think you also talked about recruiting uh, amazing part-time moms that c- companies also wanted part-time employees and that that was a really good placement for both both sides. Yeah, the original premise was this idea of, uh, I, I had recently graduated from business school when I started the company and I saw a lot of both entrepreneurial friends who who didn't necessarily need, say, a full-time chief marketing officer, um, but also, you know, people who were starting their families and saying, hey, why am I climbing this corporate ladder and working 60, 80 hours a week sometimes? Um, I'd rather, you know, maybe still have a full-time job, but have it be a little bit flexible so that I can manage everything that's going on in my life. And uh, when we matched those groups together, it was a much more fulfilling experience for everyone. So um, as time has gone by, we've realized that, you know, flexibility is something that companies offer and, and candidates care about. But there's also a whole laundry list of other unique kind of intangibles about both the company and the candidate that it, if you can align on more of those, um, it'll be a, a more successful placement. You talk a little bit about when we met originally about how you weren't a great employee in the sense that the flexibility was key for you. Can you talk a little bit about why that's so um, and how that sort of impacted your business? <laughs> well, hopefully one of my former bosses are, are listening right now, but I think I think they would say the same thing. I I was always that person that could finish air quotes, finish my work in half the time of the person next to me. And when I first graduated from undergrad, um, you know, I was in sales and I could meet my quota in the first month of the quarter. So I didn't really understand why I had to still sit in the meeting where we were talking about how to get to quota or, you know, have all the weekly check-ins and enter the data to show our pipeline or all of the additional busy work. Um, I just said, Hey, let's go do our thing. Let's go do what we were here to do. And so I, I had great bosses. I really truly did. Um, but I was always kind of resistant to, um, to the bureaucracy that sometimes comes with bigger organizations and bigger companies and hierarchy. And so, you know, even in my corporate jobs, I was very entrepreneurial because I was always in sales and business development. Um, But I knew that eventually, like you said, it wasn't a matter of if, but when I needed to be the boss. Um, I also got feedback, you know, as soon as I started managing people in my career, that, that that was a really natural role for me. And so... I, I have a very flat organization, but but do think there are great ways to manage and inspire people. Um, and and it's nice to be in the position where I can, the, the buck stops with me, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you consider yourself a woman who's always fit in? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. if, if anything, I would say the opposite 
is true. Um, you know, whether it was when I was a kid, you know, if you look through even just the yearbook photos, someone doesn't belong. Um, but, <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I kind of floated between a lot of different crowds. I wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't an outcast, but I definitely was not, I was not in the inner circle uh, mm -hmm. in any scenario. And, and I think I was kind of brought up to understand that, that that was something to embrace. Um, didn't always feel like it, you know, when you got picked on for having giant glasses or wearing neon well into the nineties, but um, I guess neon's back now. So maybe I was ahead <laughs> of my time instead of behind my time. But, um, but I was taught that, you know, all of those kids, they're going to end up doing the same thing and you're going to do something different and that's good. And that's, you know, that and that's will okay. Well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. It, and it's still the case, Leslie. I feel like, you know, there are working moms at, you know, my kid's school, but, uh, but not that many. And, you know, I still feel like a bit of an outcast when I'm hanging with them. We have a lot of fun still, but I don't understand, um, you know, how they spend their day or what, you know, the brand of fancy tennis shoes they're wearing or <laughs> whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. um, you, sp you speak about relationships being important to you, both in your company and with the business partners that you advise. What do you think drives this ability to form good relationships? It's a great question. Um, I think probably two things. One is I'm very curious. I'm very curious about people. And, and that leads to good listening, I think, you know, good questions and, and, and active listening. Like I genuinely care and am interested in them and what they do and their business and, and their lives. Um, and then I think the other thing is probably a mix of self-deprecation and just general humor. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I think life is definitely too short not to have fun at every moment you can. And so um, if there's not something inherently funny happening, I'm, I'm always happy to pick on myself and, and uh, make sure, you know, the crowd gets a laugh. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I know that this comes out also in your team that you like to pick that compliment you. Tell me a little bit about how do you find the right people on your team? I think the first step there is to really have some self-awareness and know, you know, what, where you need to fill in, where your flaws are going to, are going to cause problems for the company going forward and, and then find folks who can pick up that slack. So for me, um, I'm generally, you know, fairly organized, but in my own way. Like my desk is a mess. My calendar is jam packed. Um, and I, I have a to-do list that is from here to the moon. Um, and so my most important hire is my right hand at my company who also has access to my inbox and to my to-do lists and helps make sure that um, all the top priority things are being done every day and and in the time frame you know we need to get them done um and she's very very organized and on top of things and so 
we're a nice complement to each other. And then from there, you know, between the two of us, we have the self-awareness to say, okay, what are we still missing? Um, and now, you know, our team is, is 12 people. So still pretty small, but, um, but we complement each other for sure. How, how transparent are you about people in terms of their strengths, about their, the areas of improvement? Do you feel like you're able to be as open as you need to be or for social capital, you have to kind of protect that? You know, it depends. I think, first of all, some folks need a minute to, to find their stride. <clears throat> some folks, you don't know if they're going to be successful in something until you try it, until they try it. And so I have very, very regular check-ins with my team. And I think that's, that's part of it. You know, at least three, usually four times a year, we chat about, okay, you tried that new thing. How did that feel? You know, you were great at it, but did you like it? Was it terrifying? Um, was it terrifying in a good way or a bad way? And so we, by doing that, you kind of over time get to figure out some opportunities, you know, some places, some roles and some functions that people might be able to flex into. Right. So, so I, I think there's some inherent strengths in every person, but there's also um, it's an evolution. And if you just kind of put someone, you know, in a certain category and think, okay, that is my admin, they are good at X, Y, Z five years goes by and you're still assuming that is all they're good at you're missing out on opportunities. So um, personally, I think it is very, very important to focus on your employees' strengths versus their, um, you know, their flaws. Mm -hmm. And if you can craft their jobs so that they're spending at least 80% of their time in, in areas where they're strong, you'll not only have a much more happy employee, but you'll have, uh, you know, a more efficient and effective workforce. Mm -hmm. And I didn't say a hundred percent, you know, because ev everyone has to, to flex and, and try new things and, you know, certain jobs just need to get done. And I don't know that anyone would say, oh, my preference is, you know, filing this or doing, you know, that, that busy work. But, um, but yeah, I think, I think focus on what they're good at and what they love to do and you'll get a lot further. So kind of related to that is how easy is it to ask for help when you're the boss? Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I think if, if you're not asking them to do something that you wouldn't do yourself, then you shouldn't struggle with it so much. Um, that said, I do, you know, I, 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 oftentimes find myself saying, okay, it's eight o'clock at night. We just got this client emergency. You know, it came in through email or the client texted me. Um, it's on me. I got to do it. You know, I can't ask my employees to do mm -hmm. it. And, and yet I think many of them would say, Hey, you know, that was the night you said you were going to be on a date with your husband or do this. Like we got you. You know, and, and, and so that's something I'm still 
working on. Luckily, I, I have employees who who do, you know, kind of step up a lot of times in those situations. But I think they probably do that because they know I would for sure do that for them. And and I had I seen the email moments before them, I would have stepped out of my my date to <laughs> to manage. Mm-hmm. It, so um, let me ask you one last question. How how are you with risk and how have you been able to overcome it in your business all these 10 years? I I actually live, you know, for risk, I think. Mm-hmm. I think it, that sounds kind of crazy for a, a mom of two young kids to say, but um, I was actually thinking about this this weekend because someone asked me a question about change and how do, how do I lead in change and I think I view risk and change as an opportunity, you know, we'll, whether we look at the, the pandemic, I mean, there's so many things we've had to uh, adapt to and, and flex to, and, and it's never really, it's never really scared me. Um, I think if you're willing, it, I think I have this nice situation right now, my husband works with me, but when I was starting my company, he had a stable job. I will say that he did. Mm-hmm. That really helped. But had he not, I also had saved uh, at least two years of, you know, savings that we could live on had we had everything gone to hell, you know, with my business. So, so I guess I, I, I say I'm, I live for risk, but I also, I'm kind of calculated about it. Right. I think it through. I make a plan. I have a backup to a backup to a backup plan. And therefore, when it comes time to jump off that ledge, I actually have a net below and I'm attached to a cord and there's a helicopter above waiting to save me. So (laughs) I feel very comfortable jumping off that cliff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And I, I'm guessing it has a lot to do with being a family of nine kids. Too. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of cords and a lot of found, uh, places to jump to and with. That's right. Um, That's right. <laughs> Kate, I want to thank you so much for um, being with me today. Uh, how can our listeners find more about you on the internet? Well, thanks for having me, Leslie. Um, well, if they are looking for more information on Treehouse Partners, we are thetreehousepartners.com. And there's also a lot of great resources, both for employers and employees there. We, we try to curate that. So, um, yeah, that's the place to find me. And, of course, LinkedIn. I live on LinkedIn. So look for me there, Kate Pletcher. Thank you so much for today. That was wonderful. Excellent. Have a great one, Leslie. This podcast is brought to you by We Global Studios, the first startup innovation studio and digital DIY startup platform for women entrepreneurs around the world. For more information on our guests, this podcast, and many other female founder programs, please visit weglobalstudios.com. I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Knutson. Please drop me a line at mindsetforsuccess at weglobalstudios.com. See you next week.